This is Jason Harris, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode 230 of Chasing Dreams. Yeah, I said it, 230. Crazy, crazy. Today's guest is Jason Harris. He's the CEO of the award-winning creative agency Mechanism, co-founder of the Creative Alliance and the author of the national bestseller, The Soulful Art of Persuasion. Jason works closely with brands through a blend of soul and science to create provocative campaigns that engage audiences. Jason has been named in the top 10 most influential social impact leaders, as well as the four A's list of 100 people who make advertising great. His methods are studied in cases at Harvard Business School. And I got to tell you, it has to be something special for him to break my no businesses or entrepreneur rule for the show. And he is. He is. Guys, I read Jason's book. It's phenomenal. And so I, I wanted him to be on the show um, because I thought it's something what he talks about isn't just for business. It's not just for selling. Um, the phases, the um, activities that he talks about are things we can use in our day-to-day life to become better. So the reason Jason's on the show, because of the impact he's doing on self-improvement, frankly. Um, I think everybody should read his book. It's great. And we talk about the four phases, which are, um, I don't want to give it away, but which are overall important, I think, in in each of us living our own honest and authentic life, frankly. And so I want you to listen carefully to what he says and how he talks um, about how we can improve ourselves and what we can do to be better individuals. All right. So check it out. Hey, Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Really glad to be here. You know, you wrote a book and it caught my eye for, for a number of reasons. One, because of the wording, the soulful art of persuasion and one, it's very poetic, the name, I got to say. It oh, really... I thank you. I haven't heard that before, but I appreciate that. Really? Social yeah, yeah. art of persuasion. I, I think it's, yeah. really, it's really there. And, you know, I had made a promise to myself in my audience that I wouldn't do anything more on businesses and people who do businesses. But there was something about your book that was persuasive uh, that caught my eye because I think it's more about, it can also be applied to individuals. Yeah. And that really spoke to me because you talk about um, originality, you talk about empathy, you talk about um, these are your tenants, uh, gener- generosity, generosity, and and soulfulness, soulfulness, right? Yeah. Yeah. So those yep. four four areas. Uh, but before we get to the book, have you always thought this way? Have you always thought about being persuasive soulfully? Like, where did this come from? Uh, no, I certainly have not always thought this way. Um, but I did, this is, uh, I run an advertising agency. It's called mechanism with, with a K. 
Um, and I, I've been doing that for about 14 years. And before that, I've sort of always been an entrepreneur. I started another business before that. There was a production company business. And I, I'm an avid reader of business books. And so I was, was trying to crystallize. It's not like I had these four principles and I followed them my whole career. Mm-hmm. And that, that's how I you know, built my successful company. That's not how it happened. It was much more for me about diving into other books and reading about how other success stories and other entrepreneurs what their philosophies were and some of the stuff I sort of jived with. And some of it, I said, I don't really think that's how you build business. And a lot of it was transactional thinking. Mm-hmm. And um, I just never subscribed to that philosophy. So as the book took me about three years to write, and as I wrote it, I sort of crafted these pillars that I believe in. And some of them I did naturally. And some of them, were learned behaviors over my career. So I didn't like, I wasn't born with these principles and that's the way I always operated. Right. Um, it was really in being in the business world, what I found worked and what I found, what I found worked to persuade, but then what I found also filled me inside and gave me a sense of purpose, but that developed over time. And then I um, crafted, you know, what is the context of the book. And so there's a lot of this stuff. And for the the listeners, and if they, they pick up the book and read it, there's areas like for me, I've always been a pretty uh, good storyteller. Like storytelling is in my DNA. That's part of uh, being original and part of that principle. But in, in terms of generosity, that was a learned behavior. That was something that I had to learn. I wasn't a naturally generous person i wasn't necessarily generous with my with my time or my connections or my advice or even even giving things to people and so that was something that i had to learn over time and to develop but i found that that characteristic helped for you know personal and business success and so um, a lot of these uh, principles can be learned and that's why i say they're habits to make anyone a master influencer because mm-hmm. you can actually learn these things by repeating them and they beca- become who you are over time. And we're going to talk more about uh, the pillars that you have. But before I do that, as you've written this book and it's come out and people have read it and adopted some of this behavior, what has the reception been for people? Have they related to it? Have they changed and seen a significant success or a change in their behavior and mindset? Yeah, I mean, I've I've gotten really good feedback on the book because it is a different take on how to do business, and so people have responded to that and um, have really uh, liked that and adopted these principles. And a lot of these examples that I have in the book are I, I tell you how to take that action. I give examples, and I have sort of a process of how you can take some of these actions. And so that has been um, well received because it isn't sort of an abstract way of thinking, it's, it's really actionable. And that's what I found. Uh, those are the books that I like. And that's what I found that, that people really respond to. They're like, okay, great. You, you, are, you say empathetic and you, you talk about being in, uh, having empathy and what that means. Now, how do I take action on that? And I think that's really uh, what people have responded to is that there's ways you can do that and, and learn behavior. And, and I think um, 
it's that learning, right? I mean, I think you're absolutely right. One of the reasons I relate to self-help improvement books is when there's something I can do with it. It's not all theoretical. Yeah. And you you give these habits and examples to help people kind of practice. And it's like, okay, you're not stuck because you don't know, what do I do with this thought process here? And yeah. you help them kind of along the way. Yeah, yeah, that's right. How did you how did you find the book, by the way? Well, so Jess actually uh, told me that that's how I found you first is when oh, she reached nice. out. She, oh, that's awesome. Oh, and good. so I dove in deeper. I saw your interview with Lewis Howes and I yeah. read, I haven't had a chance to finish the book, but, you know, I really caught my eye because, you know, one of the things we talk about with Chasing Dreams is being true to yourself and knowing what your identity and and dream is and make sure it's yours and not necessarily someone else. And I feel like, you know, in in going through your book, there's something about um, honesty and authenticity that I think people should read. And guys, I'll have the link to the book in the show notes. So make sure you check that out. If you hadn't realized that I'm promote, I I support this book. Um, you, You should check this out because you talk about authenticity. You talk about, um, being genuine and an original, right? And so that's something I think people struggle with. And so when you wrote that section, can you talk a little bit about why it's so important to have to abide by this principle of uh, originality? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I, I, I do subscribe to the famous Oscar Wilde quote, be yourself, everyone else is taken. And for a, lo- a long time, when I had started my career, and I think like a lot of people, when they get into business, they're trying to model behavior by other people that they see. They're trying to see what's successful and somebody who's, who's high up the chain, uh, what do they do and, and what are their mannerisms? Are they, are they loud and confident? Are they quiet and do the work? Are they um, you know, going for the kill in the cell? What, what ways do people operate? And you kind of learn that. And there's a lot of, even when I started my career, I, I would read a lot of, of other books that were a lot more about, you know, when, when selling or when building your clients, try to mirror and match and try to be like them. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you, you think to get ahead in business, you have to be like the boss or, you know, have the boss like you. And what I found to be successful in business is that you're, personal idiosyncrasies and the things that make you stand out and the things that make you different. It's not much different. I'm an ad man. So it's not much different than building a brand. If you're going to build a brand uh, that is a sea of sameness and is like everything else, Mm -hmm. it's not going to go very far. And just like you as a person, if you're trying to adapt to your environment and blend in, you're going to really not go as far as you could if you are putting your full self out there and being vulnerable and letting people see who you are and realizing that by doing that, they can be vulnerable too. And you build a much deeper connection because you're opening. It doesn't mean you have to like the same things or have the same viewpoints, but it means that you're able to express yourself and say, this is what I believe in. And this is who I am. And these are some weird things about me. And these are some, you know, fun things about me. And it allows them to do the same. And that really just helps you become an original person. Another aspect of that, which I talked about a minute ago, is this idea of, of storytelling. And, and the power of storytelling, I can't emphasize enough. If you can tell a story, whether it's a personal story 
with a with a point of view or an ending that means something to you, whether it's a story from a book you read or an allegory or a movie. Collecting these stories to make your point in in you know personal life or in professional life is super powerful. And that is a really good way to persuade. But it also in telling these stories tells someone something about you because you're telling a story about the things that you like and the things that you care about. And so you're kind of doing both uh, with that. So really storytelling is, is part of being an original person. I think we, uh, with the advent and limiting beliefs, right? I think a lot of us, um, would you say, take for granted the stories we have within us? Yeah, definitely. I think we forget the stories we have within us. Oh, hundred you know, percent. And and I'm always a fan of having that that journal. And and sometimes I I slack and I forget about it and I don't do it. But having that idea of like writing down those moments of your life that meant something to you when you close your eyes that are like super memorable, and then crafting that story around those moments to make your point is really powerful. But I think there's so many stories that we have about our lives but we're always sort of li- living in the like the what's next the next moment. Oh yeah. And we we forget about those those stories that we have uh deep deep within us that have molded us to who we are. You know, and and they're really powerful, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we give them enough credit and we don't realize how much those stories actually connect us with the people we're talking to and how yeah. even something as simple as my grandmother making me tea at 4 4 p.m. and how she would do it and then realizing that someone else probably has a grandmother or someone who made them tea at 4 p.m. and there's a commonality for them you know about love of a grandmother and and you just don't realize it's such a mundane story it's so true no it's so true and what that meant to you about your grandmother what that taught you uh, about yeah building like consistency or time to reflect or get together um it's super powerful i have this i have this um thing I do with my kids mm-hmm. that's a gratitude journal. We do it. Oh, I I mean, love it. It's not original. Like everyone has a gratitude. A lot of people have a gratitude journal, mm-hmm. but I do it the same time every week. It made me think of that when you told, see, this is how it works. Yeah. You told me like a, a grandma <laughs> story and now I'm telling you a story about it's me. Awesome. Right. And so it's like a good uh, point of practice here, but the, the gratitude journals we do every Sunday and it's been hard during quarantine because they're sure. in they're in another state and I'm here and we do a lot of uh, FaceTiming. But we have this journal and we do this every Sunday and we will write down stories once a week. And so they have stories when they're, you know, obviously little kids and I tell stories of my life. We tell each other a story every week and it has to come around to something that you're grateful for that week. But it's a the art of storytelling. And then when we look back at these. You know, if we look like at the journals from last year mm-hmm. and we read them this year, they'll remember all of these moments in time and all these stories because they wrote them down and they, you know, they categorize it and they put it in a book. And that's to me is the power of repetition. And it's trying to train them to be uh, good storytellers. And it does, it's, you know, it's once a week. It's not every right. day for 20 minutes, do this activity. It's a very simple exercise. But it it's it's super powerful because when you the power of writing down a story, it, it it floods all the memory banks with like what what I was feeling in that moment. Yeah, I love that. I love that you've yeah. instilled that in them 
at such a young, early age. I know my mom has told me, hey, journal, journal, journal. And you're going to wish you had journaled if you hadn't. And for sure, I wish I had journaled more as a child, as a teenager, and remembered some of the stories I went through in the the experiences. Uh, So, you know, the next generation, I hope I will encourage them to do the same thing is, you know, what, like you said, it doesn't have to be every day, once a week, just capture some of the stories that you've had. And it's powerful to remember those things because memory only lasts so long. It's so true. I had a, I had an ex-girlfriend who found, this just happened like last week. She found, uh, I haven't talked to her in like, I don't know, 10 years, but she found a box of letters that I had written her. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, from, and this is like from high school. And I wrote this letter about um, wanting to, I can't, you know, one day I want to open my own company and I'm an entrepreneur and I want to start my own thing. And I'm, I don't think I use the word entrepreneur, but I use, you know, I want to own my own company. Right. And, and um, she sent me these letters, all these letters back. And the memories, like, mm. I, I totally forgot about that. Didn't even know that I even <laughs> had that thought in high school. But reading through it, I'm like, oh, man, that is like such a great story of remembering that because an old, an old high school claim yeah. that I hadn't talked to in forever. I wrote, let, I wrote that down in, in a letter and she sent it to me. And that, that's the story is just like, that's it, so really awesome. woke, it woke me up. It was awesome. That's, yeah. that's awesome to just kind of bring yourself back to that time. Do you remember writing that or anything like, like I do. I remember it now that oh, I have wow. it, but I hadn't thought about it. Sure. No. Forever. Yeah. But it's like, like a yeah. trigger. Yeah, it's a trigger. Now I remember the whole, like, when I wrote it and what I was thinking about. Yeah, oh, it's really, I love it. It's really powerful. Yeah. I love it. So let's talk about your, your second principle. Um, yeah. It, maybe I'm out of order. Generosity. No, you're in the right order. Okay. Yeah. Generosity. Because it's not something people often talk about. Because we, we have such a um, me mindset sometimes. That to hear that being generous is something that can not only help you, but help your business or just help you in all things is counterintuitive a little bit. So what do you mean by being generous? So, and this was the one that I, throughout my career, I have had the hardest time with. Um, It's this idea of giving something away at every interaction and thinking about when you cross paths with someone, leaving them a little bit better off than before they cross paths with you. And it's, they're simple things and it can be, um, it could be advice. It could be time. It could be counsel. It could be, um, this idea of, of, of giving them something and it, you know, it could be, and even for your friends, giving something away can be a text message from an article that you know that they'll care about. And instead of posting it on social for everyone to read, you do a one-to-one message to them because you know they care about what are those like animals behind you the little oh the funkos yeah okay so you love funkos if i read something about funkos i'll text you mm-hmm. about you know the the new series that's coming out or how they're changing or what they're doing for marketing or whatever it might be that's me like giving yeah. something to you which is so simple you know it's not like buying wine and sending chocolates it's it's me letting you know that i'm thinking about you and that i know things that you care about and, and interests that you have. And, and that's sort of what I mean by, by giving something away. Um, it can be, it can be gifts. Uh, it can be, um, it can be thoughts. It can be, 
letting someone know that you're thinking about them. It can be advice, it can be contacts. But this idea of just trying to be a generous person for me has really helped me become successful because people want to work with those types of people and people yeah. want generous people around them. And, you know, you feel like you're, you're giving things away and it's not quid pro quo, mm-hmm. but it will come back and co- with compound interest and you don't know when or how it just does. Uh, people have to trust me, you know, it just does. <laughs> It, it just does. Well, it also um, so, sounds yeah. like you're saying is do it without the expectation of return, but the return's going to come. That's right. Right. right? The, return, like, the return will will come in surprising and magical ways, but you can't have the expectation. I did this for you. What are you going to do for me? I scratch yeah. your back. Now you scratch yeah. mine. It yeah. doesn't work. It, it's like, hey, you got an itch. I'm going to scratch it for you. Mm-hmm. End, of story, end of story. You know, it's, that's it's, it. It's like karma. Right, you're yeah, you're kind is. of putting it out in the world, such good positive vibes. That I mean, I mean, I love the concept of it because uh, I'm a firm believer that you know, with every positive action, we're making the world a better place. I love that. You know, it's it's impacting one person, but you've made their day by thinking of them. Right, regardless yeah. of what how you were generous. Right, you gave plenty of examples. Pick one. You've made yeah. them think. Hey, somebody's thinking about me. Yeah, that's a, it's so good, and. Um, there's, there's so many, well, there's a great example. I have a example in the book for, that's a Ben Franklin example, mm-hmm. um, where he was a, you know, he never graduated school. He was a lawmaker in Philadelphia. He was in the, you know, Philadelphia, uh, chamber of, uh, of business chamber and, or legislation branch. And, there was a, a really well-educated, well-to-do lawmaker that would always heckle Ben Franklin and try to tear him down. And Ben Franklin, instead of going after this guy, he and this is what's known as the Ben Franklin effect. He simply asked him if hey, he asked him if he could borrow a book that he knew this man had in his library. And by borrowing that book, he created this connection with him, wow. where. Where yeah, he created a connection with him where he had done a favor for Ben Franklin, and he felt that he was connected because he felt he was being generous to Ben Franklin. And then they had this connection, and they became lifelong friends. But it was the idea of Ben Franklin knowing if I if I ask someone of someone and they do something for me, we're going to have a, a connection. And that's really another another attribute. And that's that's really today knows Ben Franklin effect which sounds really crazy because you wouldn't think of asking something from someone as an act of generosity, but it really is, is building a bond. It's you I being, it's you being open. Yeah. It's you being open enough to ask for favors. Mm-hmm. It's also another form of, of generosity. You know, I love that. I've never heard it uh, expressed in either the story or the fact that it's a Ben Franklin effect. I'm yeah. a firm believer. Like when I have, um, before this whole COVID and we, we all started sheltering, you know, if there was ever um, an engagement or an event I put on and pe- my friends would come, um, you know, people would be like, don't ask them to do all the work. We can do it. I'm like, people like to feel helpful though. People want to feel it's a great like, example, right? Like they want to be a part of something. And so I'm always a part of, Hey, let's just ask them to help do something. Cause yeah. you know, then it's the party's success is their success. And I just think people like to feel connected and that's a great way to put it. I had yeah, never, that's, that's, a, that's that. an idea. What you're talking about also is a, 
is the collaboration imperative. It's this idea of like, we're going to do this thing together and you're going to feel, feel involved. Like I always hate when I go to someone's house and I say, what can I bring? And they're like, nothing. <laughs> you know? They're like, they're like, I got Just it. Yourself. I got, yeah. They're like, I got it. I'm like, come on. Like, yeah. like I, I love that idea of, um, ask it makes people participate in whatever the activity is i think that's really uh, a good way to, to look at it yeah, yeah. I, I think there's something to that um so the third principle i i it's not that i struggle with it i i'm, I'm pretty i like to think i'm good at empathy but i think the world especially now in today's climate and we're recording this in uh june guys so in this climate of of times i think empathy is a very hard thing for people to get around get their heads around yeah. can you talk a little bit about that and how sometimes there's there are lost causes and sometimes you can work with people yeah of course there's there's lost causes and people are going to have their beliefs that will never match yours all the way but i think in the time we live in, empathy is in, in real short supply. And what I always think about is as humans, we're 99.9% the same DNA. So we're really, really the same at the end of the day. I mean, there's different, there's things that obviously make us different. We have different viewpoints, we have different values. Sure. But for the most part, we are all coming from the same need state. We mm-hmm. need the same things to feel secure, to feel safe, to feel loved. Those are human attributes that we want. Of course, there's like some psychos and, you know, there's some, there's some uh, people that whether how they were brought up or just born that way that are on the outliers. But in general, yeah. we all have the same needs. And really, to me, empathetic is about developing a natural curiosity for others and it's about trying to listen uh, a little bit more and, and try to understand people and what's behind the things they believe in and what makes them tick. And to me, that that's really important. You know, I had, uh, as an example, I had a friend uh, who, you know, will get into discussions about immigration policy. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty liberal person in general, this, this particular person, um, was not, it was anti-immigration and I, I just could never really understand it. And as I started thinking about putting on my, you know, humanity empathetic hat, uh, I really was like, okay, well, besides telling me why the policy is bad for America, why, what is behind it? Like, why do you have that, that firm belief? And mm. it stemmed from, um, him being, you know, his, his, uh, parents lost their job to uh, what? Well, they felt like they lost their job to some a family of of immigrants that did the job uh, less expensive than them, and their, right. his family became homeless for a period of time and were on the streets. Mm-hmm. And sort of that stuck with him as a kid, and was a really powerful device that wasn't. You know, it's not the. Right. immigration at large or people at large, but it was like one particular micro, micro, micro experience. But that's where he has his long held belief from is that experience. And if you can understand that and what's behind it, you can have a little more empathy. You can understand it more and you can try to reason 
both points of view. You might not persuade them and get them all the way over to your side, but you're coming from at least a base of understanding versus just like talking over each other. And so I think it's really trying to, yeah, it's trying to develop a curiosity about, about people and what's behind the, the beliefs they have. I love that because it's so easy and so quick, right? It's a lot faster to just judge them and paint them with a broad stroke of they are just, uh, some may say racist. Some may just, you know, paint them incorrectly. Yeah, definitely. And some will will just paint them as people who hate uh, for no reason. But what you did in that example, and is a great example because guys, if you, you dug deeper, you took the time to dig deeper. And I think right. that's something all of us, regardless of uh, what our beliefs are, we should do with one another is dig deeper because it might not be, it might be learned and maybe we can unlearn it. Like you said, you might not be able to persuade them, but you never know unless you give them that time and respect to find out what it is underneath lying. I, I don't think I would have asked. That's amazing. And so, you you know, I'll never walk in your shoes. You'll never walk in right. my shoes. I didn't walk in his shoes. But that's really what it's about is trying to position yourself as if you did. And I think that that really is important. Um, and then really another part of empathy is is this idea of, of collaboration that you we started to talk about. But really this idea of seeking out collaborations mm-hmm. is really trying to reach out to people and not try to do everything on your own, but really try to ask for help. Try to get favors from people. Try to, um, if someone asks you for help, understand that they need help too. Mm-hmm. But that idea of, of collaboration is really important. And, and building, if you're building a business or you're doing a project, really trying to get others on board and seeking out collaborations is really an important aspect of, of being empathetic. Yeah, I, I I think it's one that um, it's not easy. I mean, I, I think you, you mentioned that generosity was your challenge um, earlier. Yeah. I think empathy in that sense, in those situations and scenarios would be my challenge. Mm-hmm. And for, why why do you say that? It doesn't seem like uh, I don't well, get that vibe. Well, I can be empathetic, yes. But like if we use these examples of today's society and talking to people, um, you know, with the current temperature and and mentality of people, oddly enough, there are a lot of immigrants, a lot of South Asians who don't understand why people are frustrated uh, with Black Lives Matter or just understand what the problem is. And so talking to them and, you know, I can be like, I, I do the jump to conclusions of you don't understand. And so I think I need to do more of what you said is listen and try to dig deeper. Like, yeah, try to dig deeper. Yeah, that's. I think that's the. Like, I can be empathetic to people, but I think I need. To, there's always place and room to learn and grow. Totally right. I think. I think that's a. That's an act of. It's also an act of generosity. Is mm. is is this idea of, of trying trying to be empathetic because you're you're taking the time to listen and learn and you're realizing we all come from this common human place. Mm-hmm. But if you if you brush them off and you like bucket them, yeah, um, I think that's that's rushing to judgment uh, too quickly. And we, you know, it's all been, it's all we're we're living in this, um, you know, fake news era and this <laughs> era of like echo chambers with social media. We we yeah. it further pushes us into our own way of thinking that that uh, supports it 
and reinforces it. Mm-hmm. And it's much harder to love to bridge. That's why, you know, the, the political dynamic we have, you know, they, they just can't it's say di- anything. Yeah. They can't say anything bad about Trump and the, and the, 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 the Republicans will never back talk Trump and the Democrats can never say anything good about Trump and they, they can never say anything good about each other. And it's just, you know, the, the country further and further gets divided. And we do that in our own little communities also. Right. And I, I think what you said is very powerful. I mean, the example you gave is one that's very powerful because I think even as you shared that story, my mind start immediately went, oh, that's what this is where it's going. And then to hear his story. It's a, it's a, it's very powerful because it's like it's it's rooted in something. It's not unsubstantiated. It's not, this is something he went through and therefore has validity, you know, right or wrong, whatever, but there's a purpose. And I think, uh, you know, you're right. This country and and the politics that are there is very divisive. We don't listen. We don't, we don't, we hear, but we don't hear to listen, right? We just. (laughs) Yeah, that's a. I love that here to listen. That sounds like a tagline. <laughs> we just, we just, just a reply. Somebody, somebody said it, I think probably before, but we just, awesome. we're so quick to like, just to respond back. So it's, it's an interesting place to be, but I think I, I love it because that's very powerful. I think that's very powerful and something for me to take. And it's being open-minded to the fact that, Oh, Hey, I didn't think about that before. Totally. That's something I need to take away. Yeah. It's really right. Good. And work on. So yeah. uh, guys, this is, these are all great qualities and principles that we can build and better ourselves with. So hope you're taking notes. If not, you're going to check the show notes or read the book. You know, pick your, pick your poison. Pick but your poison. Pick your poison. But there's still one more, and that's the soulfulness of it. And yeah. I was intrigued by the fact that you included soulfulness because people don't really include persuasion and soulful together. Right. Yep. And so to me... Um, you know, the micro idea of, you know, persuasion is, you know, you can look at it in the macro, you can look mm-hmm. at it in the micro, but persuasion all day long, we're all in acts of, of persuasion, whether it's persuading to get on your show or, you know, you persuading to get a desk or get coverage for your, for your work or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Um, there, we're in these, um, these moments all day long of, of persuasion, both in our personal life and professional life. And the soulful twist is really this idea of, you know, persuasion's great and um, you can be a better persuader. But the soulful piece, the fourth principle, is really this idea of striving to be inspirational mm. in, and do more than think about yourself. Like get out of the your me shell and try to really think about the world at large and what skills do you have? What could you be doing to make the world uh, a little bit better place or stand up for your beliefs or do something that's beyond. And we talk, I talk about this with the brands that I work with all the time. What can you do that's beyond shareholder value or profits? What is it that you stand for that's bigger? Uh, and, and when you are like that, you, gain a bigger audience, more consumers, more people talk about your brand. They feel like they want to buy your brand because they know you stand for more. Uh, a company we work with is is Ben & Jerry's. Mm-hmm. You know Ben & Jerry's is doing a lot. You know they stand up for what they believe in. They have a soul. They're not just ice cream. They're, they're ice cream plus they're selling 
uh, the ideals that they believe in. And that is way more powerful than just selling ice cream. And the same thing applies to people. It's way more powerful for me to be an ad man that does pro bono work to combat sexual assault mm-hmm. uh, than it is for me to just be an ad man. And that makes you more influential, more inspirational. You can write a book because you have things to talk about. Um, but that idea of soulfulness is a really important quality and anyone can do it. You could do it whether you're uh, a teacher, a barber, uh, you know, whatever, whatever your trade is, you don't have to own a business to do it. Whatever your trade is, you can think about something that you care about and a skill you have and something that you can do that's beyond uh, just looking out for yourself. And, you know, I love that you use Ben and Jerry's because they, um, you know, with Black Lives Matter, they've come out and, you know, everyone has supported Black Lives Matter. These guys have went past that and beyond with their stance and their response. Right. And they've done that um, through throughout the years. There's historical evidence of them standing up, you know, whenever there's been an incident. Right. They've been authentic in that sense. But, you know, um, I think in the book, you also mentioned like Muhammad Ali. And how he stands up, right? He's an, he's a great example. And now you have actors like John Boyega, who yeah. stood up and led um, a protest in London and talked about, I may not be able to work again after doing this, but it was important for me to be here and help. And it's oh, yeah. it's like going beyond who you are. And you, like you said, getting outside of the me shell. Yeah, I know. It's great. Muhammad Ali is such a good example, such a good pull. Right. Because we, we, we always think about him as the most famous boxer. Mm-hmm. He, he's the GOAT. And yes, he was a great boxer. The reason why he is, you know, the, at this higher sort of immortal level and why there's quotes of him everywhere, and, mm-hmm. you know, he's revered is because he lost five years of boxing to. Uh, protest going to the Vietnam War because it's, it didn't fit his beliefs. It's not a war he, he believed in. He gave up his whole career, became destitute for a while, didn't box for five years, came back to boxing in his in his you know early 30s. But at that time, that's pretty that's old, old for a boxer, which it, it wouldn't be necessarily now. But at the time, it was it was old. He mixed he missed out on like the, his prime years of boxing, but he's still known as the greatest of all time. Because people know that what he stood for was much bigger than him as a boxer. You yeah. know, he, he stood for uh, his beliefs and he stood up for um, what he believed in. He stood up for black rights. He stood up for Muslim rights. He mm-hmm. really, really fought. And at the time, he wasn't thought of as like the greatest. People were against him for speaking out against the Vietnam War, but he did and he relied on his principles. and he was a soulful persuader. I think there's something about uh, principles, as you said, right? And just sometimes I think we have to, people think incorrectly that they have to deny those principles, those core beliefs in order to go further. And I think the soulful principle that you're talking about actually says, hey, you got to do the opposite. Stay true to who you are and stand by that. And I mean, I think getting outside of the me shell is difficult already, right? I mean, because oftentimes we see this and we see examples of it, but what you're saying is that anybody can do it. Anyone can do it. I have a friend who, um, you know, I talk about this in the book too, but I have a friend who was a barber 
in in London, and he um, his name is Josh Combs, and he Combs Barber. It's pretty funny, but he, you know, he was like, "All right, so that's it." <laughs> yeah, he was like, "That's it. I'm a I'm a barber. I'm just going to be a barber. That's like what my life is. Like that's my career." It's the way and he then, went. That's the way he went. And then one day at lunch, he started cutting a homeless person's hair. And then the next day at lunch, he cut another homeless person's hair. And then he took a day off of work and did it on the streets of London. Then he took a week off of work. And before he knew it, his job was going around the world, cutting people's on the streets hair to give them a new outlook on themselves, to make them feel better, to to have someone to chat with for an hour and talk to and swap stories with. And then he got paid to speak about this. He got pretty big on Instagram and he got paid to speak about this journey that he went on. And he made much more money doing that than he ever did just as a barber. But he took, he took a skill of cutting hair and turned it into being much more soulful and doing something to give back. And that's, that's what I mean. It can turn into things you don't really think about. But by doing that simple act of, that one day going with his tools to cut a homeless person's hair really, you know, changed his whole trajectory. What's great about that story is I'm sure if he had a business partner or someone who managed his, his business, they're like, what are you doing? We need, we, you have to focus <laughs> right. here. That's where yeah. the money's coming from. That's right. True. Especially if you take yeah. a full day off, yeah. what, do you, what do you do there? But to stand yeah. by the principles. And that's, I think the beautiful thing about um, kind of stepping outside of your own shell. And when you chase your dream, whatever it is, sometimes it may not be that dream, but it's something you're passionate about and you chase that, you never know where it's going to go. You never know what will result in it. Has writing the book for you um, gone the way you expected it? Or has it kind of thrown you in in a way that you're like, I had no idea this was going to happen? You know, it's, uh, I'm kind of still digesting that, but it's, it was, took me three years. It was a really rewarding experience because it crystallized a lot of my thoughts that I then had to put down, encapsulate on paper <laughs> the way I work and what I think and my, my beliefs. And so it was really just, just that aspect would, would be rewarding enough. I didn't realize that you also, when you put out a book, you then have to market the book like I, I didn't, you know <laughs> I didn't like man yeah I didn't I know but I'm not a I'm not a writer and I, I've never put out a book before but I sort of forgot that part and so now I'm on like three and a half year journey and I realized that that's that's a lot of more work than mm-hmm. than I thought um but it's been I met so many people uh you know we w- I wouldn't have met you if it wasn't for the book and there, you know, I I really have enjoyed um, not just focusing on, you know, having a side hustle where I'm not just focusing on my day job, yeah. but really trying to do something that um, I believe in that I can go out, go around and talk about. So it's been highly rewarding for me. Yeah. Well, I gotta say the the this feels like your soulful part in, in the work you're doing with this book. And how it? Because I think a lot. Um, one of the reasons I started this podcast was I had someone close to me who was denying something they were good at because they'd be encouraged to go a different path. And so for me that um, your pillars resonated and it's something I think more people need to hear about and do because it makes them a better person. It makes them more authentic and true to themselves. And you don't know 
who's going to change the world and how. But like you said, the more you are yourself, you know, it's going to be awesome to see. The the more chance you have of changing the world, the more yourself, definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Jason, I have had such a blast talking to you. Thank Uh, you so much for, for jumping on. I appreciate it. If these guys want to connect with you, how can they find you? Um, I'm at uh, Jason underscore Harris on Instagram and Twitter. And um, I have a website just that's just the soulfulart.com. I'd love it. Any yeah. last words for these guys? Um, no, I mean, be a dream chaser. That's my last word. You guys heard him. Go out, chase your dreams. Thanks again, man. All right. Thank you. And guys, that was Jason Harris. You see what I mean? He is so persuasive, soulfully persuasive. Honestly, um, awesome thing he's doing. Uh, I think it's something that can help us become better people. We need to evaluate ourselves. We need to examine what we're doing. These are, it's a great time for those who are stuck indoors to take some time to look into ourselves and see if we can't be the kind of individual who is original, generous, empathetic, and soulful, right? Yeah. See if you can do that. Imagine how chasing your dreams changes when you start incorporating these philosophies and characteristics into your life. It becomes more enjoyable for sure. All right. So what I want you to do, today's call of action, um, I want you to read the book. The link is in the show notes. Um, It is an affiliate link, just as FYI, but it's in the show notes. Look it up if you want to get it in a different way. Jason Harris' book, The Art of Soulful Persuasion. Highly recommend it. Um, It is for those who are following my 21 book challenge. It is in the book list. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely check that out. Um, And remember, guys, you can find all the show notes over on the show notes page at amyj21.com slash episode 230. That's episode 230. All right, guys, I'm going to let you go have the rest of your day back. Remember, till next time, don't stop. Keep chasing. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's aimeej one Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing.